you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to John chapter 20. And we'll look at John chapter 20, verses 24 through 31, looking at post-resurrection peace. It's our goal, and as you come to this uh, after Easter, after Resurrection Sunday morning, we're reminded that Jesus didn't simply up from the grave, he arose, and then get on into heaven, and that was it. We have several passages and several chapters in which Jesus, up from the graves he arose, and then he ministered and he appeared to several people, hundreds of people, further signifying that this resurrection was not uh, uh, accidental, it wasn't some uh, ghostly thing that happened, he had bodily resurrection and he appeared to several people. So I'll be preaching John chapter 20 this morning. Kenny will follow up uh, and talk about another instance that Jesus appeared to uh, different people. And, and so this morning we look at Jesus' resurrection, not just in terms of, hey, he rose and that's the end of the story, but his appearing to different people at different times, giving us some of the most beautiful words in all of Scripture after his resurrection. As people who continue to live in light of the resurrection... We continue to take joy in the reality that we celebrate Easter Sunday every single time we gather together, that we have a risen Savior who is not dead but is alive. So turn your attention to John chapter 20, verse 24, and we'll go to the end of the chapter. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord, but he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hands in his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with him. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hands and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to Thomas, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, would your, would your words comfort as well as convict? Would you lead us and guide us in these next very few moments that we have together? Teach us and instruct us by your word. With the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, Lord. You are my rock and my redeemer. We want to leave this sanctuary differently than when we came in. And we do that as your spirit works in our hearts. In your name we pray, amen. I heard a story this week of a, of a ship that had uh, come into a storm and was just uh, tossed to and fro and began to break apart and it hit the rocks and just totally broke apart, leaving just one survivor as the morning came and the ships began looking for the different people. They found one survivor, a young boy who was huddled on a large rock on the shore. And as they begin to bring this little boy in and begin to talk to him and feed him and get him taken care of, bandage up his wounds, one of the people just came to him and said, young, young, young sir, young boy, it just said, were you scared all night? 
And he responded, I trembled from the moment I hit this rock until you appeared here. I trembled all night, but thankfully the rock that I stood upon did not. It's a good reminder that at times we, like Thomas, doubt and we tremble and we get scared and nervous, but the reality is, are we standing upon the rock that doesn't? At times, as we walk through the difficulty of life, as we struggle with different things in our life, we, we feel that at times we're not standing upon the solid rock of Jesus, but we're standing on shaking and shifting sand that as we begin to feel the clamoring of the waves, we recognize that we are not on a solid rock, but that we're standing on shifting sand that begins to pull us and toss us and turn us in every which way. And so this morning, as we look to Thomas... As we look to this interaction with Thomas, we see that it's okay at times for us to to shake and to tremble. It's okay when we walk through seasons of difficulty and discouragement to shake and to tremble, right? You've been there before, right? There's moments where we're, we're frustrated and we're scared and so we tremble and we shake. But what is so important is for us to recognize what are we shaking upon? We're shaking on the solid foundation, the bedrock of our faith in Jesus, And so this morning, maybe we need to see, Lord, am I standing upon that solid rock or am I standing on shifting sand? So let's let's dive in for a moment. Look at number one, the doubt of Thomas. Now, I I recognize that at times Thomas gets a a pretty bad rap, right? I mean, today, if we're if we're hatching a plan, everybody, every all of our friends, we we friend group, we have one of these people, right? You hatch a little plan, a little scheme. Maybe in high school you had a plan that you're going to devise for something fun. And you always have that one friend that's just like, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's going to work, right? You have this great, mighty idea or you're going to take a fun trip and somebody's like, well, I, I just, I don't know if that's going to work out. We're probably going to get caught. We're probably going to get busted or, man, that's, that's not going to be a good idea, Right? You got one of those friends, maybe you are that friend that's always thinking logically, maybe you've been called the the pessimistic, half-glass, empty type friend. This is kind of like Thomas, right? That's always like, you know, guys, I just don't think that's going to work out, right? We call that person a doubting Thomas, right? A person who in the midst of great opportunity would be that person that says, I, I, you know, I don't know. I'm I'm looking at all the options. I just don't think that's going to work out. We have the word. We call him doubting Thomas. But as you look in Scripture, you see that Thomas wasn't always maybe a doubting guy, right? He's not always the the buzzkill of the party saying, you know, guys, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to work out. I don't think we should do that, right? You remember as Jesus was calling his disciples to go back into Jerusalem for what we would celebrate as Palm Sunday, what did Thomas say? Hey, let's go. Let's go with Jesus. I'm ready to die with him, right? That was Thomas who said, let's go. I'm ready to die. Let's die with Jesus, right? It was also Thomas that... In John 14, when Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you may be also, and you know the way to where I'm going. And how did Thomas respond? Jesus, we, we want to go to this place, but how do we know how to get there? Hey, we want to follow you, but we don't, we don't know where you're going. We don't know what you're doing. And how did Jesus respond? I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is Thomas. Jesus' reply to Thomas saying, hey, Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Thomas saying, hey, Jesus, I'm ready to go with you and die in Jerusalem on this Palm Sunday. So Thomas may get a bad rap, but at the end of the day, Thomas is just like you and me, right? I mean, he comes to the reality that 
This Jesus that he has served and that he has followed as one of the 12 has hung on a cross and he has died. Right? Thomas has seen it. Thomas has realized that he has been placed into a tomb. Thomas is just a realist, right? He understands that Jesus died on the cross. And so when his disciples come and say, hey, Thomas, we saw the resurrected Jesus, Thomas is thinking, there is no way. Yeah, there's no way. I mean, Jesus is dead on the cross. I know about Lazarus and all that stuff, but this is a, this is a different kind of deal. Jesus is dead. So much so that Thomas says, unless I see his hands, and unless I place my finger in his nail-scarred hands, unless I touch his side, I will never believe. Maybe you've run across a person who would say something similar, right? Unless this, I would never believe. I will never believe. There's nothing that would change my mind. I will not believe. Unless I see something so miraculous that I can see and touch his hands and his side, I would never believe. You see, Thomas's doubt is strong. And to me, this again demonstrates the power of the resurrection as we'll see in Thomas's life that Thomas, eight days later, would go from I will never believe to my Lord and my God. Eight days. And you would think if the disciples were writing a story about their faith and their fervor and their zeal, they wouldn't include such a story such as this. That they're huddling in a locked room behind closed doors out of fear of their own demise. That again, eight days later, after Jesus has demonstrated, there they are again, again, locked behind closed doors. So you would think the disciples, if they were writing their story, would put themselves in a better light, right? You think they would say, we were strong and mighty in the Lord. We, we believed in his resurrection and we went out full of force. But you see, the, the power and the truth here is that they're just like you and me. At times, they get nervous. At times, they're scared. At times, they are afraid. You're reminded in Matthew 28, as Jesus gives the great commission, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You think this is a mountaintop moment that Jesus gives a, a disciples who are fully ready to go out on mission. But what does it say right before it in verse 16? Some worshiped and some doubted. It's pretty remarkable that even in the apostles, you see those moments of knees trembling, nervous spirits to say, I, I just don't know. And so in that, as we all at times wrestle with the, the fear or maybe the, the doubt that this is possibly so, I think it's beautiful that even though Thomas is wrestling with this doubt the first time that he's not with the disciples, the disciples go out and say, Thomas, you won't believe this. I know you may doubt, but here's the deal, Thomas. We saw it with our own eyes. Thomas, come and be a part of the fellowship. You see the other disciples, even in the midst of Thomas's doubt, never say, Thomas, you're doubting? All right, you're out of the fellowship, man. You're out of here. Right? In the midst of Thomas's doubting, the disciples pull in closer and say, Thomas, we have seen. We've seen our risen Savior. And then they invite him behind the locked door to say, Thomas, come with us. Continue fellowshipping with us. The greatest things we can do in the moments of our doubting is not pull away from other believers, but pull in closer. In the moments when, brothers and sisters, you have other people in your faith family that are doubting, you don't pull away from them and say, you go doubt somewhere else. No, you pull them in even closer and say, let me wrestle with you. Let me get in with you. Let me tremble with you. Let me walk through things together. Let's, let's do this together. So I think it's beautiful that you see the disciples say, come on in. Come on behind the locked doors. Let's, let's pray together. Let's disciple together. Let's be together in fellowship. 
And so you see, number one, the doubt of Thomas, and number two, the return of Jesus. It says in verse 26, right after Thomas says, I will never believe. Let those words stick in your head for a moment. Thomas says, I will never believe unless I can touch his hands and put my finger in his side, put my hand at his side. I will never believe. Eight days later, the disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, in what must have been quite the moment for Thomas, right? Eight days before, Thomas has just said to his disciples, unless I put my hand in the side, hand on the nails, I will never believe. Here Jesus enters into their midst behind a locked door, says, peace be with you. And Thomas is probably thinking, oh man, I'm about to get it, right? But Jesus says, hey Thomas, here's my hand. Here's my side. Don't disbelieve, but believe. Essentially, Jesus says back to Thomas exactly what Thomas said to the disciples. So you got to believe Thomas is like, how did, you, how did you know that I said that? Did, did, were you watching? How, how did you know? I mean, there's got to be a, a moment of great quaking for Thomas to think Jesus just said back to me exactly what I said to the disciples. Here's my hands. Here's my side. Don't disbelieve, but believe. Right to Thomas. And it's at this point that maybe you and I would begin to think about the reality that Jesus, God knows all of our thoughts, all of our desires, all of our good, all of our bad. He knows everything inside of us. And for Thomas, Jesus knew everything. He knew everything. And in a moment where Jesus could easily chastise Thomas and say, hey, Thomas, you saw it all. You were with me. How could you miss this? Right? How are you still needing to see the hands and the side? Don't you know I raised Lazarus? Don't you know I told you I was going to raise up the temple in three days? Thomas, what are you thinking, man? And instead, Jesus enters into their midst. And he says, peace be with you. And then he says, hey, Thomas, here I am. Here's the nails. Here's the side. You see that moment of compassion in Jesus where even though Thomas is doubting, he doesn't get a tongue lashing from Jesus. He doesn't get a finger pointed and say, Thomas, how did you miss this? Why are you still doubting me? I'm right here. How could you do this? But what you see is a compassionate Jesus to say, Thomas, here I am. Put your hands all in my nail-scarred hands. Feel my side. Friends, I think at times we need to receive the comfort of Jesus. At times we feel the conviction of Jesus all over us to say, get it right, get it together. But at times we need to just rest in the comfort for Jesus, to him to come to Thomas and just say, Peace be with you. See, this is Jesus' heart for us. Peace be with you. Four beautiful words that Jesus can utter to his disciples because he has said a few days before, it is finished. And Jesus saying, it is finished, allowed him to say, peace be with you. So here Jesus has gone in his birth being the prince of peace to now entering into this upper room, saying to his disciples, peace be with you. See, God's desire for his people is not a temporary solace and a temporary comfort, but a deep and abiding peace that comes from knowing Jesus. 
And so he enters into this moment and simply says to Thomas, peace be with you. The same things that eight days earlier he said to his disciples as he entered into that room, peace be with you. So beautiful that in the midst of our trembling knees, in the midst of our doubt and in the midst of our worry, Jesus would enter into the room and say, peace be with you. Not a condemning finger, but a peace be with you. And Thomas's declaration number three is even more stunning than the last. As Jesus comes and says, do not disbelieve, but believe. The very thing that Thomas said, I will never believe. Jesus says, do not disbelieve, but believe. And how did Thomas answer? He says, in shock and amazement, he says, my Lord and my God. I want to pause for a moment because there are, there are whole groups and sects of denominations and cults that would look at this passage and say, Thomas is, ex- is expounding almost like he's shocked. And he's speaking a blasphemous tone back to Jesus. Almost saying, my goodness, not meaning what Thomas meant. There are whole groups that would look at John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and say that can't possibly be true because Jesus is not God. And here in this moment, Thomas is giving the most beautiful and simple explanation of who Jesus is. He says, my Lord and my God. And friends, if Jesus did not believe that he was God, in that moment, he would have stopped Thomas dead in his tracks. He said, Thomas, uh-uh, no, this isn't right. I'm not God. No, you got it wrong, man. Because you see in Acts chapter 11, Cornelius went to worship Paul. Cornelius has been saved and he goes to worship Paul because all that Paul had done is Paul says, get up, Cornelius. I'm just a man. I don't deserve your worship. Get up, Cornelius. Barnabas and Paul, after doing miraculous signs, the town comes in wanting to offer sacrifices to Barnabas and Paul. And Barnabas and Paul tear their clothes at the blasphemy that that is and say, we are just men. We're here to testify to the goodness of a living Lord. Then in Revelation chapter 22, when John is so amazed at the visions and all that he has seen, he bows down to worship at the feet of the angel. And the angel says, no, get up, Paul. You've got it wrong. Don't worship me. I'm just an angel testifying. Get up, Paul. And so here again, if you see that Thomas were to say, my Lord and my God, if he was not testifying to Jesus being fully God, Jesus would say, get up. You've got it wrong. There is but one. But here Jesus takes the adoration, takes the my Lord and my God. See, what Thomas is essentially saying here is, my Lord and my God. And as much as I would love for next week for us to have a service where I say, hey, if you come to church next week, I'm going to do some special blessing in which all of you get saved, right? I'm just going to do this thing where I I do a thing like this, and just all of a sudden, if you're in attendance or if you're watching online, you get saved, right? But that's not how this works, right? Jesus calls each of us individually. This is a personal decision that we make to trust in Jesus. It's, Lord, I'm trusting in you with my life. My Lord, my God, not the God of my ancestors, and so I'm going to skate into heaven. Not my dad's God, so I can get into heaven because my dad was a good man. Not my spouse's God, and so my wife and my husband are really good people, and so I'm going to skate into heaven sin-free. 
No, Thomas is reminding us. Thomas is saying, my Lord, my God, my leader, my Lord means my leader, my boss, my authority. Lord, you are my authority for all things. In you, you hold preeminent. So you are my leader, my authority, the personal nature that I'm going to trust in you with everything. And you are my God. Friends, this declaration of Thomas is truly stunning. That eight days before, he said, I will never believe. And here he gives the most beautiful response, the beautiful confession in all of Scripture to simply say, my Lord and my God. And then we come to number four, the blessing of Jesus. The blessing of Jesus. As Thomas is responded to by Jesus, Thomas simply says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus answered him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. See, Jesus responds here to Thomas, do not disbelieve, but believe. In essence, Jesus is saying, stop becoming an unbeliever. Thomas says, Jesus says to Thomas, stop becoming an unbeliever, but become a believer. In essence, Thomas pulls all of his chips into the basket of following the Lord. He pulls everything in. Stop becoming an unbeliever and become a believer in this moment. It's the same thing he's asking for you and me this day. As he looks out on us, he would simply say, hey, Mark, stop becoming an unbeliever, but become a believer over every area of your life. Are there areas in which you still disbelieve the Lord's power in your life? Are there areas in your life you still don't trust in Jesus fully for all that he has done? Are there areas in your life you say, I trust Jesus with all of this, but I simply don't trust him with this portion of my life? I, I trust God at my work, but I don't trust him in my singleness. I trust God in my home, but I don't trust him in my business. I, I trust him in every area, but I don't truly believe that his grace is sufficient for me. Friends, stop becoming an unbeliever and become a believer in all that Jesus has done and all that he continues to do. The book concludes, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these that are written are b- written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is why we have our copy of God's word. This is why John, we have the book of John. So that by believing we may have life in his name. As we continue on from Easter, we're reminded that Jesus has come to give us life. And not life in which we barely scrape by, but life that is abundant and full and eternal. And we find life when we, the last thing on your outline, is simply follow the Prince of Peace. The desire the Lord has for us is that we would follow the Prince of Peace with everything that we are. Many historians believe that as Thomas received the good news message of the gospel... As Thomas stopped becoming an unbeliever and he became a believer, Thomas took the gospel message to the ends of the earth and began the church in India. Pretty remarkable that stories believe that Thomas took that message, going from eight days before saying, I, am, I will never believe, to taking the gospel to India. In a moment, we're going to sing hymn number 305, I've Decided to Follow Jesus. And I was looking at this hymn. This hymn has a, a tie-in to India. As the gospel message was spreading over 150 years ago in the countryside of India, this little village received a missionary who began sharing the good news message of the gospel and had its first convert. 
in this little village. Uh, the, the chief elder of this village was so distraught by the conversion that he decided to make an example of this new believer and his family. And so, uh, bringing out the archers, he stood the archers in front of this family and the family on the other side, and he called to this man, this new believer, and said, would you recant of your new faith in Jesus? And this man stood by and triumphantly said, I have decided to follow Jesus. And at that, the archers pulled back and shot their bows, taking out his children. And the chief elder said again, sir, your children are dead. The archers are pointed at your wife. Would you recant your faith? And he said, I have decided to follow Jesus. There is no turning back. And with that, the archers took his wife. The elders gave this man one more chance there in India to recant of his faith and to trust in Jesus. And he said, that moment, I have decided to follow Jesus. Though none are around me, I still will follow Jesus. And they took his life. And from that moment, the, the, the gospel message in that little village spread like wildfire at that man's decision to follow Jesus. And as we sing hymn number 305, I have decided to follow Jesus. See the beauty in this morning of Thomas taking the gospel message to the ends of the earth, starting the church in India, to now singing a song about a man who was martyred in India, saying, I have decided to follow Jesus. At Thomas's decision, as he looked the resurrected Lord, looked at his hands and his side. And as he went from unbelieving to believing, you have that same choice in that moment. As you stand here looking at a resurrected Savior, do you trust in Jesus with your life? Are you following the Prince of Peace with your life? I pray that we could all stand and say, I have decided to follow Jesus. There's no turning back. No turning back. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time that we can gather together as an assembled body of believers. Lord, we thank you that you, that you rose victoriously from the grave and then you you appeared to multitudes of people having, having interactions like this with Thomas, further signifying that you did raise triumphantly from the dead. But for those of us in this room who may have, may have the, the proclivity towards doubt, who may be right now walking through a moment or a season of trembling and doubting, Lord, I pray that you would, you would stand us on the solid rock. That though the waves may crash and though the, the rains would accumulate all around us, Lord, I pray that we would continue to stand upon your solid rock. Lord, we receive the words that you said to Thomas, that blessed are those who have not seen and still believe. Lord, we thank you that you have come to bring reconciliation. You've come to bring peace by your blood. And so we continue to live in light of the victory that you have won. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for your son, Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.